Hello, welcome to Tales of the Pale. This is Terrence Smith, and this week I wanted to share a little bit of The Fate of Wolves, which is book two in the series. I'm going to read from chapter five. The Fate of Wolves is Deegan and Eva's story. Deegan is a werewolf and alpha of the Volkov pack. Eva is uh, not supposed to actually exist. There are no female werewolves in my mythology for this series. So she is unexpected. And I'll just start because too much explanation always ruins a reading. Chapter five. His very presence captured her inner wolf's complete attention. Eva blinked and then rubbed her eyes before managing to pull herself up into a seated position. Time slowed, or at least it seemed to, as they stared at one another. His prolonged silence gave her precious seconds to push a few more clouds from her muddled mind. Her first impression was that the mantle of command was an inherent part of this man. He was older than her thirty years, perhaps as much as ten years her senior. He was handsome, dangerously so, but in a wildly unkept sort of way. His black hair was unbound, shoulder-length, with a touch of gray at the temples. The shadowed jaw was strong and clenched, despite his practiced pose of ease. This, then, was the one who had completely upended her life. The pain, his pain, that had brought her to this place was deeply stamped into the small lines on the wide brow and in the depths of the light gray eyes. All this information Eva absorbed as naturally as breathing, but it was the pain that she saw in his unblinking stare that kept her from speaking first. Tell me about this. The command was softly given, but it was a command nonetheless. Eva's gaze left the study of his face to find him holding her grandfather's ring. It was very similar to the ring he wore on his own right hand. His hands were those of a workman, strong and calloused. He was dressed in worn jeans, scuffed boots, and a black t-shirt. It was my grandfather's. Her voice was strangely steady, steadier than she felt. Her gaze lifted from those capable hands and her ring to his jaw, to his expressive lips, and then to those unblinking eyes, which had darkened to a stormy gray. Did he believe her? So much rested on his believing her. Do you know where you are? He asked as he palmed her only possession. No, Eva admitted. She'd been traveling south for nearly a month, but then she couldn't be sure. If her wolf had gone as much as 30 miles a day, then she could be anywhere along the Canadian-American border. You called me. I came. She hadn't meant her declaration to sound so accusatory. He cocked his head to one side, his eyebrows coming together. His expression remained thoughtful as he studied her. But the storm that raged in those gray eyes seemed to clear a little at her words. She waited for him to say something, to acknowledge what had happened, to deny knowing anything about her. Something. But he remained silent, and inexplicably that hurt her more than an outright denial. Eva's heart rate accelerated until it became loud to her own ears. Without thinking too much about it, she focused on his pleasant scent to calm herself. The very need to do such a thing frightened her far more than she wanted to admit. 
but she needed to remain calm, and so she breathed him in until her heart started to regain its normal rhythm. I had Ferris find something for you to wear. I'm assured that it's clean, but I doubt it will be a good fit. Dress, then Roland will bring you upstairs. We'll talk more fully there. He rose from the chair, scraping it along the stone floor as, it, as he moved it away from her bedside. Do you have a name? he asked, glancing back at her over one well-muscled shoulder. It was only then that Eva realized he hadn't begun their conversation with something so obvious. Ivanova, Eva, she replied, stumbling over her own name in her distress. He nodded, digesting the information as if she'd confessed to him more than just her name. Degan Volkov, he replied. For now, you are my guest, Eva. A faint smile crouched to the corner of his lips and then disappeared. It happened so fast that Eva wasn't sure whether she'd seen it or just imagined it. Only after Deegan quit the room did Eva notice that her young guard remained perched at his station by the door. In Deegan's presence, she had forgotten the boy. She'd only seen the man. That wasn't like her. She'd never before been so careless to forget her surroundings. Eva took a long, slow, shaky breath and ran her hand through her hair. It caught. Running her fingertips along the length of it, Eva realized that someone had attempted to braid her hair while she slept. As she worked to unravel the messy braid, her mind gnawed on the problem at hand. She didn't know where she was or how much time she'd been allowed to recover. Her hands and feet were no longer bandaged. The skin was pink and nearly healed. The neatly folded clothes at the foot of the bed drew her attention next. She held up the drawstring flannel pants experimentally and then sniffed them. What she really wanted was a bath but that wasn't going to be possible. She was in a subterranean room. One small rectangular window near the ceiling allowed a little natural light, but not escape. The floor was sloped slightly to drain into a small grate about the size of her arm. The room itself was practically bare, except for her bed, the wooden chair Deegan and the bearded one had used, a metal cupboard, and her guard, who only had the use of a crude wooden bench. The clothes were probably her guard's pajamas, Ferris's pajamas, Eva amended silently to herself. She would need to remember names from now on. And here we're going to leave Eva to her uncertain fate. Thank you for joining me in Tales of the Pale. I hope you have a wonderful holiday, and I will see you again. Well, actually, I won't see you. I hope to share with you again after the new year. Until then, happy reading.